0: Welcome to Throwback, a new segment we're trying where we circle back and talk to organizers of past actions that DSASF has been involved in. Hi there, I'm Darby Thomas, co-chair of the Mobilizer Committee uh, in DSASF.
1: Hi, I'm Hannah Georgie and I'm the membership coordinator and interim co-chair of the Labor Organizing Committee in DSASF.
0: Perfect. So we are going to be talking about the Marriott Hotel uh, worker strike. So on October 8th, 2019, nearly 8,000 housekeepers, bartenders, and other service workers walked off the job at two dozen hotels in Detroit, Boston, San Diego, and right here in San Francisco. San Francisco workers were also uh, some of the last folks out on the picket line before they reached an agreement on December 3rd. So I wanted to talk to you specifically, Hannah, because you're the person who actually got me involved in the strike solidarity effort that the DSASF was doing. To start off, um, Hannah, can you talk about how you got involved in labor organizing?
1: I moved to the Bay Area about three years ago to work in tech. And I started out as a contract worker. That was around the same time that I got radicalized. And I just started being super frustrated at work. And I think it was kind of dovetailed with my radicalization overall, kind of with the with Trump's inauguration, things like that. But I just started to look uh, more into the rights that we have in the workplace, especially around uh, like precarious workforces, um, which I was um, at the time. And then also, um, you know, a lot of the custodial and like cafeteria workers in tech are also contractual workers. And so just looking more into what protections we all have at work kind of led me into just wanting to be more involved in the labor movement overall, as it's strengthening in the US. And that's um, ultimately why I decided to join DSASS was to be involved in the labor work that our chapter is doing.
0: So uh, can you uh, talk a, a little bit about the strike, maybe give a brief summary about like what the demands were, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So like you said, the contract was up for Marriott hotel workers in uh, seven cities across the U.S. And it was a five-year contract that was up and they were negotiating for another five years. And kind of the main theme of the the campaign was one job should be enough. You know, in major U.S. cities like San Francisco, hotel workers are having to work multiple jobs to even survive in this area, often two to three jobs, and are having to live very far away from their place of work. So here in the Bay Area, um, there are people living out in Dublin, like really far in the East Bay, even people living in the Central Valley and commuting into the city. Um, and so some of like the core demands that the workers were making were better pay, you know, comprehensive health care, you know, a strong pension um, once workers retired. So those were a lot of the material gains that they were, or yeah, the material gains that they were um, bargaining for. But there were also some other demands they had around protections on the job, specifically for housekeepers in terms of uh, protecting workers from sexual assault. This is very prevalent in the hotel industry, but I think it's especially poignant here in San Francisco that one of the demands that uh, the workers were asking for or demanding was to include essentially a panic button in every hotel room that either guests or um, housekeeping staff could press in case of emergency. And that's just a direct result of the fact that um, at the Marriott Marquis here in San Francisco, two different members of the housekeeping staff were sexually assaulted by guests. And the hotel essentially, you know, Marriott essentially did nothing to provide safer working conditions for the, the housekeeping staff, which, mind you, is primarily women, and primarily women of color, and primarily immigrants, right? And, and they ended up like rolling out this campaign that was essentially uh, called like, it was like, don't say no to guests, like, you know, housekeeping, or, you know, staff at this hotel should never say no to guests. And so I think that that was one of the most powerful demands that the workers were fighting for. And so, being out on the picket line and talking to uh these women who are part of housekeeping which these women were really viewed as like the backbone of you know the whole striking effort if you lost the housekeeping staff who were the majority of the workers on strike then you would lose you know this contract and so they were such a powerful part of the the movement overall and I think it was, you know, super important to me to support them, you know, especially in this time. And I and I believe that, that is one of the things they won um, were, were having protections on the job, um, most relating to, to sexual assault.
0: Can you share about how you yourself got involved with the Marriott Hotel Strike Solidarity efforts?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, one of my really good friends, her husband actually works for... Um, local 19 unit you know, here down in San Jose. And so she was starting to prep strike solidarity efforts, um, knowing that the strike was going to be coming up uh, with Silicon Valley DSA. That's the chapter that she's part of. And so she really kind of set the framework for what strike, strike solidarity could look like for hotel workers out on the picket line. And In DSASF, we actually took that proposal. Um, One of my comrades, Jenny and I uh, went ahead and kind of tailored it to the special situation that we had in the city. Um, And we wrote a proposal for our committee. And after that was approved kind of internally, we went ahead and reached out to um, Local 2 uh, the local here for unite unite here in the city and worked with them to see how we could best be supporting the workers. And then once the strike started, we hit the ground running. So kind of the the core things that we wanted to cover in our strike solidarity was one having you know bodies on the line um, on the picket line with workers and just being able to strengthen their numbers and their voices, especially as the strike went on. And then the other was to provide actual material support. So. Um, providing food was one of the main things that we did, and also just supplies on the picket line. So things like sunscreen or hearing protection, it's often very loud out there. So we we decided to actually select one of the smallest um, hotels in the city that was on strike of the seven, um, the Courtyard Marriott. And we would send um, people from our chapter out to the picket line to support the workers there almost every day we had people out for the 61 uh, day strike. and then overall we would try to um, deliver food to as many hotels as possible as we could on that side of the city.
0: Yeah, that reminds me um, we like collected those like earplugs and we called it mutual hearing aid. I think that's one of my favorite like little jokes that came out of this.
1: Yeah, no, that was really great. And I think that was one of the coolest things um, that, you know, even though it was really difficult that the strike was, you know, like the SF strike was the longest of all of the, the cities across the US. And so I think as we went along, trying to keep morale up a a really great way that we did that within our chapter and also with the workers was trying to think of like fun new ways to be providing support. So I thought it was really great how we had the mutual hearing aid with our earplugs. We had, we sent out like care packages with like little notes from the chapter, just, just great things like that. I know down in um, San Jose, the Silicon Valley chapter had they, I think someone brought a sheet cake um, and it was like on the 16th day of the strike, they had like a sweet 16 party and it was supposed to be like a dirty sheet cake because the rooms weren't being cleaned by housekeeping. So pretty creative what people were thinking of. Oh, cute. Oh, a dirty
0: sheet cake. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think what <laughs> I think this was the Silicon Valley chapter where like someone actually like brought out a trumpet and like played Reveille in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was that was um, Nicole from Silicon Valley DSA. She did that. It was so amazing.
0: <laughs> Do you want to talk about the Yelp reviews?
1: Yeah, so a great idea that Local Two provided, and and we kind of ran with overall was writing reviews on the internet about all the hotels that were on strike. Um, you know, if you were kind of tracking any of the reviews on Yelp or like. I, I don't know, other other websites like Google Reviews, things like that, a lot of hotel patrons were very upset and were writing reviews that it was extremely loud at the hotel while they were staying there and that their sheets were dirty. And so these hotels were sort of getting dinged on reviews. And we actually started to add on to kind of the, the pile on to these hotels. So we um, would write reviews that we were like, hey, you need to provide your workers with a fair contract. Hotels take that very seriously, because it really drops their ratings, because most people want to look at a hotel rating before they stay there. And so it was a really creative way to, you know, do something that the, that the union actually, I don't think they legally could do. And so that was something as socialists and as, you know, this outside organization, we were kind of able to provide that community support. Um, in kind of an online direct action sort of way.
0: That um, reminds me about something that you, you might have said this or it might have been someone else from the Labor Organizing Committee, but we have this example of the anchor steam unionization effort where, um, you know, most people who drink and enjoy beer are also like working class folks. It's really easy to get them um, on board and supportive of u- union efforts. Um, and that's in stark contrast with a lot of the patrons of hotels. Um, so can you talk about like the the contrast in uh, the kind of people that um, frequent like who go to hotels and like the workers?
1: Yeah. It, one of the most stressful parts, I think, of being on the picket lines oftentimes was interacting with the hotel patrons. Uh, which ended up being pretty frustrating that, you know, we would be marching on the picket line and obviously it's very loud. We're drumming, we're chanting, you know, we're chanting or yelling directly at patrons going into the hotel. And, you know, it obviously depends on the the caliber of the hotel. The Courtyard Marriott was not, you know, like the W or, you know, the Marriott Marquis, kind of these higher end hotels. But um, yeah, the most patrons that we interacted with, either one ignored us um, or two were really upset about the noise and were mostly concerned about their comfort and the people that we were actually able to kind of have a conversation with rather than them just yelling back at us and kind of running into the hotel. um, You know, most people did come around once they, you know, spoke directly with the workers um, about, you know, the the reality of having to work multiple jobs and, and having children um, and, and not being able to pay medical bills and, and things like that and support their family in the Bay Area. Um, but I, I think that was really frustrating um, for a lot of the workers. And I think it was really frustrating for a lot of us in DSA to see that people were not as empathetic as, as we would have hoped
0: there were a lot of things happening with the San Francisco chapter at that time. Um, One of them was uh, the mask distribution that was happening with the wildfires. And I believe we also like distributed masks to like people on the line. Were you like there for that? Uh, Do you have like any memory of that?
1: You know, so um, my comrade uh, Jenny actually really, took uh, the lead on getting masks out to the lines, and she was one of the biggest people who were, you know, was pushing our group to be sending out masks, and I know that you were also out delivering, which was great, Darby. But yeah, so I I think that, you know, obviously Local 2 was providing um, masks for people on the picket line, but... You know, I think a lot of the workers were nervous to go out and, you know, be a like have a full shift on the picket line in such terrible um, air quality conditions. And so I think, you know, bringing um, masks to the picket line was great in terms of, you know, kind of protecting people's lungs. But it also was showing that, hey, we're going to show up like through thick and thin, like through this like natural disaster and we're still going to show up and be in solidarity with you. Um, I think that that was really um, impactful to the workers overall. And I really have to commend Jenny for, for leading the charge on that.
0: Yeah, right on. Jenny's one of my favorite people um, in our chapter, to be honest. (laughs) Kind of uh, related to that. So it was like a a struggle making sure that picket lines were like full of people because like the weather, not only um, did we have like really terrible air quality conditions from the wildfires, but then it felt like a solid month of just rain. But then just in terms of our chapter's support, we had like a lot going on. So we had the environmental justice crew out there with uh distributing masks but then um this was also election time and like not just Mm -hmm. like any like election time it was like crunch time you know october leading into november and i think we had um a lot more energy around our like electoral efforts so can you talk about uh, maybe the the struggle of making sure that the that labor got as much attention as the, the more like headline grabbing like electoral stuff
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm going to be honest, it was really frustrating to be up against all of that electoral energy, because a lot of people were turning out for really important, you know, lit drops and and canvassing for our electoral work. But it was hard, because I felt like we weren't kind of receiving the same energy from the chapter around You know, going to the picket line, and I think some of the difference there, obviously, is that you know, like there is, there was a deadline. Like the election has to happen on this day, and we need to reach this many people. Whereas, you know, the picket line was indefinite. You know, showing up to a picket line wasn't going to like turn a vote or you know make bargaining necessarily easier. So I think that that was kind of a struggle. But you know, one of my favorite things um, about our solidarity efforts with the Marriott strike is how many new members we activated through that effort. One of my comrades, Ian, who is now um, a newly elected officer in the labor organizing committee was not really involved with anything with DSASF and I saw him at an intro to DSA meeting and he was like yeah I'm sort of interested in labor and I was like look this strike just started how about you come out to the picket line and we'll see if this is like a good fit and maybe get you a little bit energized about labor work. And there's like countless stories of people, you know, their first DSA event uh, with our chapter was, you know, joining San Francisco workers on the picket line. And that is such an empowering experience. And to actually be speaking to working class people in this city and hearing their stories and being in solidarity with them was super powerful. And I just, I feel like we've seen such a retention of people, even though we were having a hard time maybe activating people in our chapter to come out. I think we gained a lot of new membership and a lot of new energy, even though we were up against that.
0: That kind of like leads me into how uh, you like activated me, actually. So I had been like primarily focused on like electoral stuff. um, But then you asked me if we could collaborate and work on uh, a first timer, uh, like volunteer drive.
1: I think what was so great about just this effort overall is that we had really good collaboration with different like committees and different kind of functions within our chapter and so um, I really loved collaborating with you to develop a way to turn new people out to the picket lines because we were kind of seeing a decline um, in people coming out after the first or second week or so and so um, you know I reached out and um, we kind of brainstormed together what would be a good way to turn people out and you made amazing graphics that were the one job should be enough, little signs. And basically it was a way um that people could see anyone who follows us on social media um could see a goal that we had to turn people out. Um, And you know, if we if it was your first time on the picket line, then you would receive um a DSA Strike Solidarity button and everybody loves buttons. Everybody loves, you know, getting little free swag. And so I, I think it was really interesting that we kind of used the combination of our pretty big social, social media outreach and kind of that incentive of like a, like a challenge, I think really interests people. Um, and also beautiful graphics always catch people's eye. So amazing job on the Graphics Darby. Um, and then also just that kind of added benefit of, you know, you get some like DSA sw- swag, like you get a badge that you have like done, you know, something with our chapter and, You know, I think at first that could seem like, okay, yeah, someone's just going to come out once they get their badge and they're like, okay, I did my thing. I checked my box and it's done. But what we really saw is that when people came out there, we were, one, super jazz that they were there and we would talk to them about what interested them in the chapter. Um, we had them talk with the workers and they ended up coming back and wearing that badge and, you know, trying to bring out friends who had never been to the picket line. And so we would have them to check off, you know, the, the count we had on our, our new timer list. And so it was, I think, a really effective way to get people out.
0: Yeah. So for anyone listening, um, please steal this outreach method. It works. It's great. Um, And it's a lot of fun. Hannah, why is it important for socialists to show up to things like picket lines?
1: Yeah, so it is, I think, being involved with labor work and, um, you know, really strengthening uh, workers in the United States should be at the forefront of our uh, goals as socialists. Um, that should be central to our work overall um, is strengthening worker power uh, here in the United States and especially in our city. And, you know, I think one of the most important things about, you know, us as socialists showing up on the picket line in our DSA shirts and us talking openly about being socialists uh, with the workers on the line is that we, we are showing them that as socialists, we are going to throw down in the streets for them if we have to, right? Like, we are always going to be there to support them through, you know, a fire where we have terrible air quality or pouring rain, um, you know, all month, is that, you know, we're the people who are going to be out there supporting them, and that socialism isn't scary, and that we have a lot of common goals. And, um, you know, you don't see people like your boss, or, you know, someone, you know, you know, part of maybe the Democratic Party or the Republican Party coming out and supporting you, um, you know, we're the people who are going to be on the front lines. And so um, I think supporting workers wherever we can is is the most important work we can be doing as socialists.
0: Yeah, perfect answer. I want to say thank you, Hannah. And thank you so much for uh, talking about what happened way back in like December. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So bye for now.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Darby.
0: Bye-bye. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 49 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Yon Chomsky.